0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus
1: 911. 911. Two man car. Paul K should be coming on any second now. Uh, By the way, as Catholics, Every single month, there's something very special in the Catholic Church. And uh, it's it's what a blessing to be a Catholic. I mean, we, we always have something to look forward to. Uh, but in today's show, several things I want to talk about today. We're going to be talking about specifically in the prophecies of Akita, Japan. And what I mean by that is we've seen priests... Speaking against priests, bishops against bishops, uh, even the bishops speaking against the Pope. Uh, and so we see this diabolical disorientation right now in the church, and we want to sift through it. Let me, let me just, uh, I see Paul, Paul is on. Let me just start off with a quick, Our Father, and may, we'll, maybe we'll do it at last. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, Nomen tuum, Adveniat renum tuum, Fiat Voluntas tua. So what's going on uh, across the pond? Something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. We're seeing that a Belgian bishop is claiming that Pro Francis approves of blessing ceremony for homosexual couples. So the Bishop Johan Bonny of Antwerp, who are the group of Flemish bishops in Belgium, they recently published guidelines for the blessing of homosexual couples, which is against a violation of Catholic teaching for the last 2,000 years. We don't bless sin. But now this bishop has publicly said that he has spoken with the Pope and that our guidelines for blessing the blessing of homosexual couples that we've recently published are in line with Pope Francis. This is what Bishop Bonnie says. Bishop Bonnie is currently in Germany where he met with the German bishops at their annual fall meeting and he spoke with them behind closed doors and in this context he gave this uh, web- the German bishops website Catholish.de. he gave them an interview in which he encouraged the German bishops to continue the work of the synodal path which recently declared re- uh, that homosexual acts are not sinful. Paul, what I'm seeing here, uh, th- this bishop is a false teacher. Okay, the Bible is very clear that in the latter times we would have false teachers. Bishop Johann Bonney is a false teacher, or we could you could call him a Judas priest. Yes, we know that he's a modernist, progressive liberal, Marxist. And a lot of these guys came out of the closet after 1965, after Vatican II, during the sexual revolution. And they're aggressive. They're aggressively pushing their sexually perverted lifestyle with the help of politicians, with the help of legislators, judges, and bishops. Uh, But again, this doesn't surprise me because all these things have to happen. This great apostasy before the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Paul. Jess, how's the sound check? Good? Perfect. Okay, listen,
2: you're 100% on point, false teacher, okay? So if we all have spidey senses out there, it should all be tingling right now because you know, as Catholics, the truth rings true. And Jess, and I'll just say this, if you're Catholic out there, Uh, and you're listening, you have to first know your faith. Mm -hmm. Before you can live your faith, you have to know your faith. And before you can share your faith, you have to know your faith. So it's important to know what the teachings, uh, the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church are uh, from the onset. And we know that when anybody tries to insert change uh, that should be causing all sorts of alarms to go off because we know that the faith has been handed down over now two millennia.
1: That's right. And uh, again, the scriptures are very clear that in the latter times, there's, there is going to be false teachers. Let me continue with this article about this Bishop Bonnie. It says this. When asked about the result of his conversation with Pope Francis, because he met with him, Bishop Bonnie he answered, quote, that I know what he thinks. That is for me the most important thing, close quote. So the Belgian bishops insisted that the Pope is also in agreement with him and his Flemish fellow bishops and their newly released guidelines. And he says this, I know that our guidelines for the blessing of homosexual couples, which we recently published, are in line with Pope Francis, says Bishop Bonnie from Antwerp. He said, adding that this was important to him because communion with the Pope is sacred to me. It's funny, Paul. I've been around a long time in the church. The only time communion uh, with the Pope is sacred to modernists is when the modern is, is if the Pope agrees with them. But when the Pope <laughs> toes the line, when the Pope holds the perennial teachings of the church for the last two thousand years, based on sacred scripture and sacred tradition, these guys have no problem opposing them to his face and pushing back and going to the press. This guy's, this guy's another, just one of these, uh, you know, uh, post-Vatican II modernist hypocrites. Oh, yes, I agree with him. Yeah, you agree with him when he agrees with you on something that's wrong. But uh, when it comes to the perennial teachings of the church, uh, he, these guys disagree with popes all day long. Yeah, and it's funny how they want
2: to give him all power, like, uh, you know, uh, this idea that, you know, uh when he says oh communion with the pope is essential to him well that's because in his mind he feels that the pope is endorsing these uh yes uh, for lack of a better word uh, uh james martin type unions <laughs> you know uh but the reality of the situation is is no um uh, the catholic church uh speaks out against this um, uh, this this would be a case, Jess, I, I would think that, you know, where the church, again, is trying to conform to the image of the world. And uh, that is no place for the body of Christ. Now, uh, again, the church is never going to change because God will always have a remnant there. There, there will be, uh, you know, a believing remnant within the church. We might have to go underground. I hate to say it like that, but that's the reality. You it know, just before it's not surprising that you know, the if if the Pope you know is, is in disagreement with this bishop's statements, we why are we hearing crickets? Yeah. Why, why aren't we hearing immediate correction? Because that's his job, especially to correct a bishop who is out of line. But the faithful, you know, or you know, we're waiting. We're, we're, we're listening and we're hearing nothing and that that is a, a sad state of affairs for where we are right now yeah uh it's we have weak leadership and um I, I'm just gonna call it for what it is I mean i respect the office of the Pope he is the pope mm-hmm. I respect his no no uh, no different than when um no different than when um Saul was opposed you know when when David and Saul were opposed to each other you know David understood that he was God's anointed he was in that position but at the same time he was all he was trying to kill David
1: <laughs> yeah Paul I'm going to tell you what happened after 1965 we had an infiltration of modernists marxists and masons and they're they're like the fifth column who's they've infiltrated the catholic church and uh, the fifth column that's a term that's used back in over in europe uh, the the fifth column is, is it's a military term which means when there's a group of people who undermine a larger group of people within a nation or within a city. In in other words, to they're, they're like clandestine uh, and they're trying to sabotage it from within. We have sabotagers, We have we have. Uh, I mean, this is in, in, in during war. You call this espionage tactics. And a lot of these infiltrators, Paul, they, 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 they've come under the wires, so to speak. And uh, they're, they're, they're sympathizers with the world. Uh, and they're trying to undermine the teachings of Christ from within the church. Thanks be to God, we got, again, we have bishops out there like Cardinal Gerhard Mueller we'll talk about next. Uh, Cardinal William Elk. Some of these bi- cardinals are raising their voices of opposition to these uh, bishop, to Bishop Bonnie and others like him, <clears throat> um, but um, what, what's concerning is that the church has already ruled on this. There was, uh, in, in fact, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. I mean, even recently, back in March 2021. I mean, this was even under, under Pope Francis. Uh, they banned homosexual couples uh, and. Uh, and Pope Francis removed the, the but he, but here's the kind of the hypocrisy here. It's that Pope Francis, the people that were toying the line on banning homosexual couples, you know, based on prior prior uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith statements. Uh, recently, Pope Francis removed the Vatican official who said to have been the driving force behind the Vatican's ban on the blessing of homosexual couples. So he just got canceled. He just got fired. Whoever this cardinal was. And, and the Pope has also continuously uh, promoted the work of pro-LGBT activists such as Father James Martin, saying in public, I mean, he just said it this past August, that an event hosted by the pro-LGBT priest was enriching, enriching. I mean, how can how can the promotion of of, uh, of this lifestyle be enriching to the body of Christ? I just well, scratched my head. I
2: can tell you the same, in the same way that uh, it can be said that they have gifts
1: to bring to the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus 911, Lord, help us. Lord, make haste to help us. Up next, we're going to be talking about a brave cardinal who's uh, speaking the truth in charity, Cardinal Mueller. Uh, he says that the Pope does not have unlimited power. Let's see what he has to say.
0: Now, Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2. That's the reason we call the program Jesus 911 because every single one of us needs to call out. To the Lord, because uh, he's the only one that can give you, uh, you know, peace of soul, serenity of conscience. And so, uh, again, often throughout the day, just call on the name of Jesus. It is the most powerful name in the universe. It's the name above all names, and it's the name that causes hell to tremble and demons to flee your presence. Thanks be to God, we have Cardinal Mueller. and <clears throat> He said that the he, he's criticizing the papal's advisor's theory of the Pope having unlimited power, this contradicts Catholic tradition. He said this in an interview, Cardinal Ludwig Mueller. By the way, he was canceled. He was fired from his post when Pope Francis came on. He was uh, in charge of the doctrine, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And uh, he was shortly, <laughs> he was uh, fired shortly after Pope Francis came into office. Again, let me just point out, Jess, just- we see a pattern
2: here, okay? And that pattern is pretty clear that anybody who holds a traditional viewpoint on any issue seems to be canceled and they replace by modernists. And the modernists who hold views contrary to historic Catholic teaching, traditional with a capital T, Catholic teaching. And we automatically know that, uh, you know, we can declare like the first Pope, Peter, rather to obey God than men. Paul,
1: continue continue talking. I got uh, uh, my doctor on the other line. Continue talking.
2: Yeah. So, so we need to obey God rather than men in these situations. Now, I know when you listen, you say, well, boy, these guys are bold. They're actually, you know, calling out the Pope. Uh, listen, I don't like having to point out Glaring errors that he, you know, that the Pope may hold, and by no stretch of the imagination do I, you know, uh, you know, feel any type of spiritual superiority in that sense. Back on, yeah. But I do know what the Catholic Church teaches, and this is why I'm Catholic. And if I can't, you know, ideas that are being put forth by high-ranking members, prelates in the Catholic Church, um, they are you know, they are foreign uh, to the faith. If you go back and you study the church over 2000 years, you won't find any of these ideas that are being pushed as you know, uh, you'll see clearly that there's a change going on. And see, and what this does is it undermines the entire Catholic teaching because uh, if we're gonna have confidence in the church, we must understand if the church is the body of Christ, which it is, yeah. then the body of Christ, you know, cannot change. Christ is God. He is the word of God made flesh. And he is, he cannot change from everlasting to
1: everlasting. He's God. Uh, let, let me jump in with a verse here just to back you up. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, it says this. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. This is what we're seeing right now. Okay. Some will depart from the faith by giving heed to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Anything that has to do with the whole LGBT movement, trying to insert it into Christianity, these are doctrines of demons. This is completely foreign to Judeo-Christianity. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ this does not comport with sacred tradition and again it doesn't smell it doesn't smell the sniff test all of us Paul were are born with a BS meter in our in our bodies and we know because of the holy spirit we right. know that when we hear something we know if it rings true or if it rings false
2: yes
1: and i'm telling you the sirens go off of any orthodox catholic when they read this article you know you know Jess
2: the people of God have, has, you know, we've been through this before. What do I mean when I say that? Let's go back to the first advent, uh, you know, of when Christ came to his own, when he came to the world, uh, the Jewish people at the time, remember, I'm Yahweh, they were the only people of God uh, on planet earth. And at the same time, it was those same people, the same people, hierarchy that said we have no king but caesar Mm. okay they're the same ones that yelled crucif you know that, that 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 basically uh swayed the the crowd to say crucify him crucify him now again there were true disciples of christ at the time who were part of the Jewish faith? Obviously, our blessed mother, the disciples, and all of Jesus' disciples at the time—they were—they—they they were small in number, but they stayed faithful to Jesus, uh, you know, and chose to follow the truth rather than the uh, the hierarchy, the religious hierarchy that was moving them to crucify the Lord of Glory. Uh, you know what? So, so history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So now, as we get as we draw closer to the second advent of Christ to his return. Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Jess, I say this again, I'll say it, I, I say it often. Listen, he's not talking about the world at that point. He's talking about the church. the church. Don't expect to find faith in the world. He's talking about the church. The church will be moved to a position of faithlessness. And this is why we're admonished in sacred scripture, Jess, to hold fast, to, you know, to keep our eye on the pride. You know, don't let the world, you know, the enemies of the Christian, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, um, the, so 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 we say we're living in a time where the church is conform, it, you know, it, you know, at least in its outward appearance is trying to conform to the image of the world. We know that it's like a square peg in a round hole. It does not work. So what does that mean? That means that anybody who sees the truth and who will speak for the truth is willing to die for the truth. And guess what? The persecutions will come, Jess uh I, I, a lot of people think like oh we're under persecution no no you remember the persecutions in the early church you know it was life and death it was a serious thing and i believe that as we move more and more toward this uh, this world order uh there will be more and more uh, uh vehement attacks on on true christians christians who are willing to stand for the truth we are going to be accused of being haters. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, and, and this is what you see: good will be called evil, evil will be called good. Yeah. Yep,
1: that's right. And, uh, and and I'll tell you what we see: we're seeing right now, we're seeing a uh, a lot of good pro-life leaders over the weekend. They had they got the Mark Hauck treatment. They had the FBI visited a lot of houses over the weekend of pro-life leaders around the country. These are people. This is assault to you. Salt of the earth, cat, Roman Catholic Christians that stand in front of abortion clinics, praying and 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 talking to women and praying the rosary and telling women, uh, you know, to save their baby. That there's another choice. That they'll help them. Yeah, a lot of these guys got visited over the weekend by uh, by the by Biden's goon squad because he's turning law enforcement into he's weaponizing law enforcement and he's turning them into a militia for the Democrat Party. Uh, and so this. This is also another way you can tell when communism has entered into a country. Uh, stolen elections are a sign of communism. Every single country where communism reigns, they steal elections. Well, guess what? We're starting to see that now in the United States of America. Exactly. And and I'm not even real sure about the next election if if, if enough has been done so we can have election integrity.
2: I agree because we're seeing more and more bold things coming from the left and listen communism doesn't only steal elections they steal freedom and that's exactly what communism is slavery yeah. okay and so uh, this is why the you know the constitution of the United States is important to uphold why because the truths that are you know that that we hold to be true that you know are god given Unalienable rights given to us by God, not man, and therefore man can't take them away. This is why they hate the Constitution. This is why the people on the left are undermining um, the uh, the fathers of this country. Yeah. Now, now, uh, Grant, I'm not I'm not endorsing everything about this country and and the and the fathers of this country, but you know what? Where they got it right, they got it right, and uh, uh, this is. Basically, it was their response to tyranny. They were under a tyrannical king uh, who, who who basically wanted taxation without representation and ev- you know and everything else. Well, uh, tyranny you know was present then and right now we're seeing some tyrani- tyr- tyrannical type uh, moves even within our own church, yeah. and that's scary. Um, again. Well,
1: Paul, let me quote Mueller here this last we got two about a minute left in this okay this last section is gold he says Mueller made it clear that the Pope has no authority to change the teaching of the church Mueller expounded he says that that teaching he expounded is anchored in the revelation of God for in doing so he the Pope would exalt himself as a man above God he added mm. now here's the former head of the doctrine in Rome. He also laid out the fundamental principle with which to counter our current crisis. He said this, The apostles can only teach in order what Jesus has instructed them to teach. It is precisely the bishops, as their near successors, who are bound by the teaching of the apostles in sacred scripture, apostolic tradition, and within the infallible doctrinal definitions of previous papal acts, catheter decisions, or ecumenical councils. However, they, the pope and bishops, do not receive a new public revelation, yeah, this is not Mormonism, <clears throat> as part of the divine pos- deposit of faith. Uh, it, it even says this in Vatican II, by the way, Lumen Gentium 25 and De Verbum number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, that's that's essentially the teaching of the church is that the, the, the Pope and bishops are guardians of the word of God. They are under the word of God. They're supposed to safeguard the word of God they are not masters of the Word of God. They're not supposed to alter, modify, or change the Word of God. In fact, it even says in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, the last book of the Bible, last chapter of the Bible, it says uh, that no man has the right to change or alter any single uh, iota of the Scripture. And if he does, all the all the uh, curses of the book of Revelation will fall upon that person. Uh, that's, a, that's a sobering... That's a sobering statement at the, in, from the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible. Yeah. And listen,
2: we, we talk about, you know, typology and things in the Bible. We see examples of, um, I think it's in Isaiah 22, I believe, uh, uh, or Isaiah, where it talks about the, the master of the house. Uh, all the kings of Israel, they had 12 royal ministers. And out of those 12 ministers, they had one prime minister who was given the key to the house of David. Now imagine for a second, Jess, if if, if the prime minister decided to come
1: out from under the authority of the king. No one in
2: Israel would, would be obligated
1: to obey him. That's right. Opposition Je- of the king. Jesus 911, we'll be right back. Stick around, don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about the movie, The Passion of the Christ.
0: Back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151
1: So Patrol Jesus 911 two-man car. Moving on to now to theology. Yep. Paul, are you there? Yeah, Jess, I'm here. Okay. Now so we're gonna move on to some theology now.
2: Yeah, so so Jess. Uh, I think one of the, one of the questions that came up was in the movie, uh, The Passion of Christ, uh, the devil just, I guess he shrieks, right? Uh, at some point, yeah, um, and people want to know like what was going on there? And this is at the crucifixion at the at the time that Christ dies.
1: Yeah, when you look at the movie The Passion of the Christ, when our Lord Jesus Christ dies, the cameras pan over to the devil, who's kind of a tr- transgender. He's androgynous. He's—you don't know if he's male or female. The devil re- reacts in a frenzy. He starts screaming. There's one verse that unlocks the understanding of why the devil screamed when Jesus died at, at, at the movie The Passion of the Christ. So open up your Bibles, because the answers in Colossians chapter two. Verses 13 to 15. So open up your Bibles. Let's go through those verses and then I'll explain them to you. This is why the devil screamed when Christ died on the cross. The Bible says, quote, And you who were dead in in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all Having forgiven us all our trespasses, having canceled the bond, we'll get back to that, which stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. He disarmed the principalities and powers. By the way, those are demons. Principalities and powers. Those are demons. Mm -hmm. He disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them. Look at this word triumphing over them in him close quote mm. okay so let's break this down verse 13 it indicates that most of the colossians are gentiles and they're in need of baptism that's pretty clear now let's go to verse 14 so what is this bond well me and paul were cops we used to call this an indictment or a charge sheet or a complaint mm-hmm. a bond is a list of charges filed against a sinful human family. Now what St. Paul is saying is that Christ destroyed this legal certificate on the cross when he canceled our debt of guilt and won pardon for our crimes. So in this scheme, Jesus mounted the cross to bear the curses of the old covenant so that the blessings of the new could flow forth to the world as it says in Galatians 3.13 and following. As a further benefit, Christ frees us from the ceremonial observances of the Old Covenant, which merely signified our need for salvation in the first place, Mm -hmm. as the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.14 and following. Right. Now, St. John Chrysostom, he said this about our Lord. By his death on the cross, he removes all our stains... And exempts us from the punishment due to them. He takes our charge sheet. Nails it to the cross. Through his own person. And destroys it. Close quote. Amen. This is why. This is why when you listen to to the Easter. The church's Easter vigil on Holy Saturday. You'll see that the priest will say this prayer. He'll say. O truly necessary sin of Adam, which the death of Christ has blotted out. Or in Latin, it says, Oh, happy fault. Felix culpa that merited such and so great a redeemer. Yes. Now, verse 15 is going to blow you away in Colossians 2.15. So, what does it mean when it says about this reference, the, the reference to disarming principalities and powers? Well... These are legions of demonic spirits according to Ephesians 6.12 that Christ conquer, dramatically conquered on the cross. So how did he conquer them? Remember, St. Paul was steeped in, in the Greek and Roman games, Olympic games. And, so, and he was also steeped in war. He knew about all the wars of the Old Testament. This guy was a scholar. So Paul depicts what he's saying here in terms of a victory march. St. Paul recalled how the Roman generals, when they would win a war, they dragged the prisoners of war that they conquered through the city streets to be disgraced and ridiculed after a successful military campaign. So prisoners of war, if you lost and you're part of the losing army, you were displayed during the parade while these captives were led along in disgrace and sometimes executed at the end of the march. That's exactly what this verse is saying, Mm -hmm. that the demonic powers are disarmed and disgraced by the conquering Christ-like prisoners of war. Humiliated. Yes. So the foot of the cross is where God is now taking a victory lap with the demons in chains behind his heavenly chariot that's what Saint Paul is saying mm. this is why Satan screamed at the end of the movie the passion I love it because the demons were defeated and taken prisoners by the blood atonement on Calvary and souls could now be purified and receive forgiveness of sins
2: all right Jess I I, I want to clear up a couple of things here and I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, number one, you know, uh, you know, as many in the audience know, for a while I took a, I took a detour, a detour. into Protestantism, and Protestantism, you know, uh, there's at least half of the fundamentalist, uh, evangelical Protestants out there that believe that essentially, you know, they believe the gospel as such. We owe this huge debt to God that we could never repay, but Jesus then comes, like our rich uncle or our rich older brother, you know, more accurately, <laughs> yeah. and he pays the price, therefore we don't have to. Is Colossians here, uh, you know, teaching this idea that the dead has been wiped out, therefore we're done? I noticed that, you know, uh, I'll let you
1: go ahead and, and, and respond to that. Uh, the, I, the Bible answers that in Colossians chapter 1, Verse 24. In other words, Jesus Christ. Here's the difference, I would say, between the the Catholic gospel and the Protestant gospel. The Protestant gospel looks at it more like a legal exchange. I give you my sins. You give me salvation. The Catholic gospel is more like this. God the Father doing surgery on the human heart. And God the Father planting where the scalpel, I mean it hurts when you go through surgery, surgery hurts. God is planting the Holy Spirit in us for what? So because God wants to replicate the life of his son Jesus Christ in I like us. That. That's well that's that's Scott Hans theology that I learned in Steubenville. So truth? yeah. So uh the the life of God being replicated in each believer, this is what it was accomplished on Calvary. That's right. Uh, C- Calvary were the, was the first fruits. In fact, Calvary, the the, uh, cr- the cross of Christ, this is why as Catholics, you'll always see Catholics with a, with a, with a crucifix. Because we understand that the crucifix is, Dr. Scott Hahn says, it's the scalpel in the hands of God the Father. God the Father is doing heart surgery mm. on us because God wants us to have a, a new heart, a Amen. clean heart, a pure Amen. heart. And so God is planting the heart of his son in us in this surgery that we called life, that yes. we call obedience, yes. that we call uh you know walking with the Lord, that we call following the Ten Commandments. Amen. All of this, all of this has been made possible by Christ, what he did on Calvary. That's right. And yeah, you
2: know, Jess, I love the the way you emphasized uh Replicating the life of Christ because
1: that's important.
2: We often say that you know, Catholicism is not a spectator sport, right? And so, you know, the audacity that we would believe that we could replicate the, the life of Christ well, first of all, we can't do anything, but what the Bible says we were created for good works, good works that were prepared beforehand by God. You see, God is the one who is at work within us to willing to do according to His good pleasure. This is what this is what the Catholic Gospel teaches is that yes. okay, uh, Christ didn't just die on the cross, uh, you know, and suffer, uh, you know, just so we don't have to. Christ is inviting us now, as you know, because we've been given the the, the same Holy Spirit. We have been made partakers of the divine nature. That's right. And now where we were, uh, as before, when we were unable to do anything to uh, uh, pleasing unto God, now we can do things that are pleasing unto God. Why? Because we have become, uh, uh, we have been grafted
1: into the mystical body of Christ. Right. Christ being our head. Yes. I think you're going to, you'll like this, Paul. All of this gets down to really the very one fundamental misunderstanding of grace because grace, according to the Protestant theology is God's favor. Mm-hmm. Now it, it, it it's God's attitude of mercy and favor that shows us in spite of the fact that we're sinners and so far, so good that that's a good definition of grace, but it doesn't go far enough Incomplete. because yeah, because for, yeah, I think because God, we believe as Catholics is favorable towards us. Even when we've rebelled against him, but in the Catholic teaching, grace is not just an attitude of favor, it's what results from that favor. It's God's gift, and the gift is nothing less than God's life, God's life in us. And that life is nothing less than divine sonship. It's not just God lending us a helping hand, it's God giving us His Son, so that the Son of God became the Son of Man, so the sons of men can become sons of God, St. Athanasius. So grace, according to the Catholic Church, is the life of divine sonship within us, Not just God's favorable attitude towards us, but what he gives us, because he's so favorably inclined towards us, he gives us nothing less than himself, his spirit, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. What God declares, yes, he accomplishes. Amen. Hey, we'll talk next about uh, the whole theology of the foot of the cross. What does it mean, the foot of the cross? We'll get right back. Jesus 911. Stick around.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: God come to my assistance, Lord make haste to help me. Psalm 69 verse 2. This is Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero Paul Clay talking about the the beautiful truths of the Catholic faith. Paul, is there another question from the audience?
2: Uh, yeah. What is so powerful about the foot of the cross?
1: Wow, what a great question! You know, as Catholics, uh, every Catholic church that we go to, every Catholic home, there's a crucifix there. You know, the, the, the John John nineteen uh, moment. Saint John Chrysostom says he says that the cross is a war memorial. Think about how proud Marines are when they look at Iwo Jima. Four Marines planted a flag. Uh, they conquered the island of Iwo Jima that was uh, during World War II that was uh, part of Japan. That's what we as Catholics we see when we see the crucifix. It's our Iwo Jima. St. John Chrysostom calls it in Greek a tropion. It's a trophy. The cross is a war memorial because that's the spot where we beat our enemy. And by the way, just taking it down to a micro level, that's why as a Catholic, when you hold up a crucifix or you make the sign of the cross... This is why the church has always said, demons flee your presence. In fact, I'll prove it to you if you think I'm just making this up. St. Clement of Rome, 4th century, says, uh, when you make the sign of the cross against demons, they flee. St. Athanasius, 4th century, he says, the sign of the cross drives demons away. Father Gabler Morth, Rome's exorcist for 29 years, passed away in 2016, says, the sign of the cross chases demons away from you. St. Catherine of Siena, doctor of the church, says, we must fight demons courageously by using the sign of the cross. St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests, this man used to levitate during mass. He says, a demon is very cunning, but he's not strong. Making a sign of the cross puts a demon to flight. So that's always been the church's teaching.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I think there's one verse, Paul, that unlocks this whole thing about, uh, about uh, the foot of the cross. The foot of the cross is that spiritual place of our redemption which stands outside of time and space. Calvary is like the place where Satan was vanquished. In Latin, there's a saying that goes like this. "Crux stat dum volvitur mundum, which means, quote, the cross remains still while the world revolves around it, close quote. And in the Eastern Catholic tradition, the foot of the cross was thought to be the center of the world, situated directly over hell. Uh, the Jews actually believe that the foot of the cross is is uh, situated right over the skull of Adam, the the, the, the tomb of Adam. Mm. But the foot of the cross for us as believers is that place where all humans may spiritually retreat to receive refreshment and grace. It's the ultimate tribunal where Christ judges all demons because it was where Satan himself was judged. I like the way Dr. Peter Crave, one of the great Catholic philosophers, he calls Calvary. He says, Calvary is judo. In other words, judo the martial arts you use one man's body weight against him to throw him. He says, Calvary's judo. The enemy's own power is used to defeat him. Satan's Satan's ends, Good Friday, was God's means to save the world. Now, I think here's one verse, Paul, that unlocks what happened on Calvary. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, quote, None of the rulers of this age. And by the way, the Greek word, it says Satan and his minions. Okay, the rulers, the Greek word is stokea, which means demons. None of the rulers of this age, which is a reference to Satan and his demons, understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, Mm -hmm. close quote. Love that. Yeah. So the Bible says that the devil wasn't sure if that was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. That's why he kept asking if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, because the devil knows the Bible better than anybody on planet Earth. And he knows that there's a spiritual law, Hebrews 9.22. Everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The devil knows every single verse in the Bible like a computer. So he knows that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. He wasn't sure, according to St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 2 8, if the if the if the Lord was uh, the Son of God and the Messiah. And by the way, this is why in an exorcism or a deliverance session, a priest will order during their prayers, they'll order the demon or demons to go to the foot of the cross so that our Lord may do with you as he wills. Why did why do exorcists and priests continually refer to the foot of the cross during an exorcism. Why? Because the foot of the cross is where the battle was won by the shedding of His blood, which now makes atonement, which means reconciliation with God the Father, and it pays the sin debt between God and man. Let me give you one verse here that's that's going to unlock your understanding. It's in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says this, just so the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom for many. Mark 10:45, 10 10 excuse me. So the word ransom here in Greek is the word litrone. So the word litrone in Greek, ransom, to give one's life refers to martyrdom. That's what it means. So ransom in the Greek conveys the idea. Of deliverance by purchase on behalf of a captive, a slave, or a criminal, and and uh, and, and again, this goes back uh, to the prophet Isaiah chapter fifty-three verse eleven and twelve, where it says, "By his by strife we are healed." The whole clause presents Jesus's death as affecting a deliverance that could not be brought about by the many through their own power. It was impossible for us to save ourselves. This had to be done by our kinsman redeemer. Yes. The Jews had this understanding that there's a big brother in the family, that they call the big brother of the family the kinsman redeemer. And that's who Christ is for us. What he did on Calvary, we can't do for ourselves. Not even if the whole world would die on a cross, would that suffice to pay for the sin debt. And so, our kinsman redeemer, our big brother in the family, did for us what we can never do for ourselves. But essentially, when the devil watched Jesus die on the cross, the devil mistakenly believed that he'd won a great victory. You know, he convinced the Jews and the Romans to kill this person that purportedly was the son of God. But instead, the Lord surprised the devil, as St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.8. You know, he he did Judah on Calvary. The Lord surprised them. With this, this defeat that he never saw coming. And so this is why that from the first Easter morning through the present age, the sign of the cross, it makes the devil cower and flee. Why? Because the sign of the cross reminds the devil of what happened on Calvary. That's our war memorial as Roman Catholic Christians. So on one level, making the sign of the cross, it's a defensive move. Because it declares our freedom from the devil's from the, from the devil, but more importantly, the sign of the cross is also an offensive weapon, because it helps us to reclaim with Christ all that Satan lost at the cross, and it also announces our cooperation with Jesus in this indomitable advance of the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. Paul.
2: Yeah, yes, I mean, uh, uh, you know, when you talk about divine judo, uh, you know. What Satan means for evil, God causes for good, right? God, God takes the evil that Satan intends and He turns it around for the good in our life. Yep. It's that same idea that's captured there in that in scripture. Yes, but uh, bingo. Yep. Yeah. Also, you know, uh, just the you know, uh, you know, back to the question of why did the devil shriek? Well, that's because you know, I guess he was so focused, Jess. On destroying, you know, or you know, you know, wanting to make sure the holy one of God, you know, was 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 uh, destroyed, uh, and lo and behold, now Christ has set the captives free, and He's not only contending with the fact that the Son of God became flesh as our kinsman redeemer and redeemed the sons of Adam, but now. Uh, uh, You know, God has then provided the Holy Spirit to fill us individuals so that we can go out and replicate and duplicate, that we can be Christ to this world, that we can pick up our cross now, that we can, uh, you know, and follow him. Uh, that, you know, that we can be live counterculture to this world. Why? Because God has equipped us and given us dunamis. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish this. Things that are pleasing to God. And that's why, you know, uh, we in, in in the Catholic Church understand that we then participate in the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, you know, it's it's a wonderful theology.
1: Yes, it is. Paul, and also the reason the devil also screamed at that moment because he realized that he, had, he was fooled. He realized that God had veiled, because God has the power to veil himself from people and demons. Mm-hmm. And he does that all the time in the New Testament. God, had, the, God incarnate had veiled himself to Satan up until Calvary. At, 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 at Calvary, he unveiled Satan's eyes and Satan saw, oh no, this was the son of God. That I cooperated in the killing of the Son of God. Hebrews 9.29 is about to kick in right now. His shedding of blood now uh, is is now for the forgiveness of sins. So he realized that he had been fooled. God had veiled his understanding in his eyes. And now he realized that the shed blood of Jesus Christ now objectively throws all the jail doors open from every human prisoner. Because that's what redemption means. That's what latrone means. It means the jail doors being thrown open. All of us were in a jail called death row. And when Jesus Christ died and his blood spilled, the devil saw all the doors open and every one of us now can walk out free men. Kind of like in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas start start singing to God. What happens? The jail cells yes. flew open. That's that's no that's known as redemption and theology. Yes. Opening the doors and letting a prisoner out. Yes. That's you know, what just, Satan saw. He saw yes. every single person's jail door open. He's saying, yes. Yes. They, they could all walk out now. Free men if they want to. This is why he screamed. He was fooled.
2: You know, Jess. As we know, there are two types of priesthood, right? There's obviously the the priesthood when we understand that the the, the purpose of the priest is to you know give us the sacraments, right? And to oh, uh, uh,
1: Paul, I hear the music. We're gonna have to pick this up next week. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. All yeah. that uh, stuff. I just wanted to touch on the fact, Jess, that the priesthood of all believers, a priest has to have something to offer. And what we offer is our own selves. We offer that. We unite ourselves to the cross of Christ. And we, again,
1: participate in this
2: great salvation.
1: Romans 12.2. That's a wrap. Jesus 911. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics. Stick around if you want, if you want to hear some um, Hands-On Apologetics. As for me and Paul Clay, we are EOW, end of watch. But we are never off-duty when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary. We are always 10 But as for this show... We're 10-7. End of watch. God bless you. See you next next price time. Next price station.